Firstly, to all brothers who are here and to sisters, Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. You guys have rushed out the way our youth are getting very excited about the job. You know, our youth get very excited about all this stuff. In fact, you know, all these things about Illuminati, the one eye, the Dajjalikai and so on. People get very excited about it. And it's not a thing to get excited about. I'll be honest with you. There are youth that I've, that I've met and I've spoken to them about their uh, thoughts about Dajjal. And some of them are like, yeah, you know, bro, when Dajjal comes, you know, I'm going to be out there, I'm going to do this, I'm going to do that. I'm like, you don't even know what you're talking about. They've kind of lost it. Because if you think about Dajjal, Dajjal is a warning. Dajjal is not something where you look forward to having a meeting with him. In fact, if you've seen any evil on this earth, Dajjal is going to be the worst of any evil that has ever come. Because our Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam has told us, فَشَرُّ غَائِبٍ يُنْتَظَرُ It's the worst of all the things that are being awaited to appear. It's the worst. And it's a culmination. And this culmination that Allah Azza wa Jal has created, it's going to be such that Right now, we feel that, you know, th there are very interesting ahadith near the end of times. And one of them is from, uh, from, from Sahih Muslim that tells us, when a particular event will happen at this, with this ummah, it will be a catastrophe, it will be a disaster. And it will involve the Muslims. The Muslims will say, hadhi, they'll say, this is it. This is the worst it can ever get. And then after a few years, or after a couple of years, and now it's happening after a couple of months, or a few months, something else happens, which involves the Muslims. And then the Muslims say, this is it. Oh my God, this is it. It can't get worse than this. And then after a little while, it, not something else happens. And they continue to, to do that. And what's interesting is that the Prophet ﷺ told us that the evils near the end of time will drop like a pair, like a bead, pair of beads. If, if the string of a pair of beads were to be broken, the way the first one will come down, you know, will come down, but the next bead behind that will come faster than the first bead and the third one will be faster than the second one and the fourth one faster faster all the pair of beads are going to fall faster with each one you know grasping the speed more and more so that's how the end of times are going to be that we're going to find a lot of things you know subhanallah things are happening already that the the human race never ever thought of in fact what's happening right now is things are taking a complete u-turn the way human civilization has been for the last millennia and last few millennia human civilization all of a sudden within a century has completely changed and my brothers my sisters the thing today is not to go into all the descriptions about Dajjal and this that. The thing is, what are we going to take from this? The main thing is that this is a massive warning to us. That when the end of times come and things are getting worse, our Prophet ﷺ told us to concentrate on what? He said, Badiru bil a'mali sab'a. For example, the hadith, Badiru bil a'mali sab'a. Quickly, be quick and hasten to do your deeds, your good deeds, before seven afflictions, or one of seven aff afflictions will, will befall you. Be quick to do your amal and your actions. Meaning that hurry up, hurry up, time is running out. And if you don't be quick to do your good actions, then one of these seven are going to befall you, 
and you're going to be left with without an opportunity of doing your amal and your actions for the akhirah. That's the reason why the Prophet sallallahu has talked about the end of times. Not that we get into that, we sort of, you know, start to feel that, yeah, bro, I see, you know, I've got another sign of this and another sign of that, and I'm going to become the prophesizer. You know, certain people, they've got this way of getting on the internet, uh, and all they do is say, this is the next thing that's going to happen, and the Illuminati, and this and that. I'm thinking, man, get a life. Seriously. Did the Prophet ﷺ want you to do this? Did he want you to get into that and study all of these signs? And, you know, this, what are you going to do about the signs anyway? Not like the Prophet ﷺ told us that if these signs come, then my ummah can stop the signs from happening. No way. You've got the wrong end of the stick. If you think you're going to stop these signs, you can't stop the signs. The signs have to come true. You know why? Because if you're able to stop one of these signs from occurring... Does it make our Prophet ﷺ truthful or untruthful? Untruthful. Because if, if Prophet ﷺ said, this is going to happen, and you're trying to prevent it from happening, and you manage to prevent it from happening, then either you've made him untruthful or you're untruthful, one of the two. And he cannot be untruthful. All right? Our Prophet ﷺ, if he came out of his mouth, it's going to happen. That's our iman, yes or no? Come on guys, do people, yes or no? We've got an hour, I'd like you to talk to me so you stay awake. So now you tell me, Prophet ﷺ says, be quick to do your actions. He says, هَلْ إِلَّا مُنْسِيَةً Are you waiting for a poverty to strike you that will make you forgetful of your duties or forgetful of God? Are you waiting for a rich, rich state, an affluent state that is going to make you exceed the limits of God? These are things that come across people. SubhanAllah, if you think that poverty is the thing that drives people away from God, no. Richness and having money is also a way of driving you from God if you don't be careful. And then the third thing he says, Are you waiting for an illness that's going to completely leave you, you know, corrupted or someone that can't get up and do anything? Are you waiting for old age where you start to forget things? Are you waiting for that time to come? And then he said, uh, are you waiting for a death, a sudden death that will take you away from this world? Number five. Number six. Are you waiting for Dajjal? Who is the most evil of all the things that are being awaited? Subhanallah. Are you waiting for him? Seriously? Just like you would never wait for... All right, subhanallah. Look at this hadith. Let me say the seventh one. The seventh one, he says, Are we sa'a? Or are you waiting for Qiyamah to come, the Day of Judgment? Because the, the Day of Judgment is the most catastrophic thing that will ever happen, and it's the most bitter thing you will ever, ever taste. Okay? So seven things Rasulullah mentions. So you tell me now, would any one of us ever want a sudden death? Yes or no? Come on guys, yes or no? No. Would any of us want to get an illness... That leaves us, leaves us like completely bedbound. No. Would any of us want to have, you know, a, a, a part of our life when we're so old, you know, we, we forget things? Yes or no? No. So would any of us want to ever wait for Dajjal to come? Yes or no? No. Don't you ever wish that you, you get into the time of Dajjal and you want to show your chop, chop, chewy? You know, boys get excited and think they can do this. Thing. No one's going to do anything. The only thing you can do is to, is to protect yourself with the things that Rasulullah said, which is, for example, Surah Kahf. And I'm going get to get to that in a little while about Surah Kahf. Now, in this short time, what I want to say to you is, before Dajjal comes, there is an accumulating process of evil after evil after evil. Each evil is coming quicker than the last one, from the hadith that I quoted you. And the next thing is that each evil is going to be greater than the last one. Okay? Greater than the last one from another hadith I quoted to you. And the next thing is that when the signs appear, it's going to seem like it's getting worse. It's getting worse. In fact, Rasulullah said this. That there will be, they will come you know, near the end of time. He'll see, he'll, he said that a man will go past a grave. Okay, imagine how bad this gets. A man will walk past a grave and he will look at the grave and say to the, to the dweller in the grave who's six foot down, he will, he will say, you 
are in a better place than me. Can you imagine? You are in a better place than me because I'm still alive and I have to go through all of this. Subhanallah. These are not times to, to, to think about and, and, and get excited about. Now, the evils that are going to come, there are many signs. And Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa has said so many signs. And this is one of the reasons why we have so much iman in the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa And the ulama have divided the sign into three. Number one, the minor signs. Okay? That have appeared and gone and finished. They're one-off occurrences. So number one is one-off minor occurrences that happened once and that will not happen again. Number two, a set of a large set of minor signs that once they appear, they continue to grow and grow and grow and grow and grow and grow and grow. Okay? And number three are the major signs and there are ten, ten things amongst them. So let me say that again. Number one, signs that have appeared that are one-off. Like Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, he talked about a fire that will break out in Arabia, a large fire. And that happened in the, in the time of Sayyidina Uthman radiallahu anhu. Like the Prophet sallallahu said, he said, one, he, said, he said, one of the signs of the last hour is mawti. In a sahih hadith, he says, my death is one of the signs of the last hour. In fact, his death, uh, sallallahu alayhi wa or his demise, sallallahu alayhi wa is one of, the, one of the beginning things that we know of, 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 of uh, qiyamah. Uh, and, and one of the signs, okay? So it's occurred, it's happened, it's gone. Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa talked about Fathul Qasthantin. He talked about the Constantinople and he talked about the second, second con conquest of Constantinople where the Muslims will take over that. That has happened, all right? So these are signs which Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa told us and amongst them there are a number of signs. Number two category, category number two are those signs, a set of signs which they, when they appear, they don't stop. They carry on growing in their nature. For example, the Prophet said, Zina is going to be something which will be rife. Now, how bad will Zina get? La ilaha illallah. Okay? It gets worse and worse and worse, and I'll tell you how bad it gets. So when you look at, when you look at for example, you look at the 1500s, you'll see a level of Zina. You look at 1600, you'll see something else. You see 1900 is different. When you look at the 21st century, it's different. And each time, it's getting more widespread and more widespread. He also added, for example, the drinking of intoxicants are going to increase. And you can see from, you know, your 1925 to the underworld of, of handling, even, even the, the, the United States of America ha, had, had banned alcohol and had banned you know, the, these intoxicants, where Al Capone in the 1920s was, was uh, you know, running a, a part of America, and then later on, you know, they had to legalize it. By the 30s, they had to legalize it. But anyway, the point is that once people start to drink, it starts to become more and more and more as the years go by. So Rasulullah has told us about this. And there's, there's probably no end to, you know, we can't say when is this going to stop. Now, in terms of just the aspect of zina, la ilaha illallah, the Prophet said, he said, man kana He said, you're going, to, you're going to follow the ways before you. And if you want to understand how bad this ummah is going to get, you have to study the Banu Israel. If you ever want to know how bad this ummah can get, you have to study the Banu Israel. And the Banu Israelah, we mentioned the Qur'an, the Banu Israelah in the Sunnah. And if you study what happened to them, what phases they went, subhanAllah we are going the same way. In fact, I'm going to tell you a very interesting thing that you can do, right? If you open Surah Baqarah, because one of the things that hits you is why is Surah Baqarah talking about uh, the Banu Israel? Here you are, you open the Qur'an and you think, right? A lot of Muslims have this question, they say, why does the Qur'an seem so sort of incoherent? The Qur'an is not incoherent. The Qur'an has got very deep messages. And the question comes to the questioner, why has Allah used almost one juz in Surah Baqarah when he said, Ya Bani Israel, from there all the way to sayqulu sufaha'u minan nasi ma wallahum you know the second juz beginning of second juz the first uh, the few ayahs of the beginning of second juz allah talks about the banu israel the whole three quarters of a juz why has allah done that you know why because allah is telling us be warned 
don't follow their pathway. And, the, and Rasulullah said, you will follow the same pathway as the Banu Israel. The way one shoe is identical to another shoe, you will become identical to them. So if you ever want to have a deep study, go and check it out. And you read Surah Baqarah, you think, wow, what did Surah Baqarah start off with? Ya bani Israelina dhkuru ni'matiya allati an'amtu alaykum wa'awfu bi'ahdi ufi bi'ahdikum wa'iyyaya farhaboon The first addressing in Surah Baqarah is to the ulama of Banu Israel. To the scholars of Banu Israel. You read the tafsir, you'll find it. The second, Ya Bani Israel, is to the common, common people. The second time it appears is to the common people. The first one where Allah says, Wala tashtaru bi thamanan qalila. Don't take you know, bribery and take money and twist the meaning of the revelation I gave to Moses. Don't do that. And you know what the first thing, the problem is going to happen to this ummah? Is that the ulama. The scholars are going to be corrupted. That's the first thing that will happen. Second thing in Surah Baqarah, you see Allah Azza wa Jal talks, and the guys are talking, and He says, you know, to them, for example, if you read Surah Baqarah, you'll see where Allah says about the actual Baqarah, the cow, and they're supposed to slaughter the cow, and they were, وَمَا كَادُوا يَفْعَلُونَ they, they eventually slaughtered it, but they weren't going to do it. They didn't have the mindset to do it. They asked, they said, what kind of cow? Is it a lean cow, fat cow? Is it a cow that's tilted the, the earth or not? They kept on questioning because they didn't want to do it. And, and the, the ummah, this ummah has been told to do basic things. Salah, five times salah. And they're making excuses. Do I really have to pray? Are you sure? I can't combine my prayers. Can't I do all my prayers all together in the night time? I come from work. I'll get more devotion in Salah if I do that. You know what I'm saying, bro? Well, you, don't, you, you, you lost me there, have you? You know what I'm trying to say, bro? Some people ask me, they say, Imam, can I come home? Yeah, if I'm in my office and I'm starting to pray, uh, when I pray in my office, you know, I can't have the full khushu, you know, my devotion, because office work, you know what I'm saying? So if I come home, I do wudu, I can do fajr, dhuhr, asr, maghrib, isha, one go. Imam, I'll do it with khushur, with devotion. I say, bro, you're on the next level. What are you taking, man? You understand? And there's the ulama that will give them fatwa for anything. That's, that's the problem. Once, you, once your ulama and your scholars are corrupted, they will give fatwa forever, for, for, for anything. For example, there's a group of ulama today that have actually said usury is not usury because they, say, they, they, didn't, they said it's not riba, they said it's fa'idah. Riba means usury. Fa'idah means, you know, some kind of benefit you get. Fa'idah means you get, you know, some interest. Interest is fa'idah, you're benefiting from it. And they said, well, it's not the same thing. Now I can go on and on with that, but I don't want to go because we've, we've got very limited time here. You carry on reading Surah Baqarah. Allah says, وَمِنْهُمْ أُمِّيُّونَ لَا يَعْلَمُونَ الْكِتَابَ إِلَّا أَمَانِيَّةِ وَإِنْهُمْ إِلَّا يَظُنُّونَ There are people amongst the Banu Israel who did not know what their revelation said. All they had was wishful thinking they will end up in paradise somehow. Right? All they had, Allah said, was conjecture. It wasn't the truth. Now you tell me, brothers, have we not got an ummah today that don't know what the Quran is saying? Yes or no? Come on. Oh, come on, guys. Man, you in Chicago studied the Quran so well, bro. Let me ask you the question again. Have we not got an ummah that does not actually read what the Quran is actually saying? Yes or no? Yes. Ummiyun. La ya'lamun al-kitab. Right? They make themselves illiterate. They haven't got the time. Bro, they haven't got the time. They've got the time to watch three hours of YouTube. It starts off with one. Ronaldinho. I'm going to see his, his, how he scored, how he bounces the ball. You guys know Ronaldinho? You don't know Ronaldinho? Yes or no, guys? Come on. Yeah? I'm going to see that. Then comes Ronaldo. Whoa. Then comes Messi. Yo! Then from football, it goes to something else because they keep on giving you different videos, right? So the football, it might go into, I don't know, that, that, that's football. We're, we're big in the UK football. Sorry, I, I forgot. It's uh, soccer. Sorry, soccer. Right. It's called soccer. 
You guys might see some NFL game, I don't know, you might see some baseball game, you might see some basketball game. Basketball, I heard, is one of the highest here right now, yes? Right, so you see one and you see his move and here, wow, how he scored the next one, a basketball, basketball, basketball. Next one, you, you, you get into baseball, you get into some other thing, and then you get into ice hockey, and then you get into some crashes, and then some fights. If you watch some fights, the next YouTube, YouTube comes, come, crush tracks, you know, crush, the, the, the tracks will go down, and they'll crash into another. Next one comes up, some guy's playing a prank. You think, wow, I wonder how this prank works. 14 minutes, he's on there watching prank after prank. <laughs> you want to know how the system works, bro? I'll tell you how the system works. Because if you want to know how Dajjal is able to fool so many people, you better start thinking how you are fooled to getting into three hours of YouTube, but no time for the Quran. Wow. Are you serious, man? Facebook. They're going to Facebook and one advert, after one advert, you know, when you start looking at Facebook videos, man, the one, and they know what you need. Man, they've got, they've, they've got the eyes on you, bro. Or should I say the eye on you? You know what I'm talking about? Because they know from your search on the history in Google, they know exactly what you like. They, from, your, from the uh, updated info, they know exactly what videos you spend how many minutes on. And they will give you exactly what will feed your ego. People spend two hours, three hours on Facebook without even knowing how it went. And Allah said, this is the problem of the Banu Israel. Then he moved on. He said there's internal fighting. You read Surah Baqarah, internal fighting between themselves. You telling me the Muslim Ummah is not having internal fighting right now? Yes or no? Come on. Come on, guys. Allah said to the Banu Israel, look, I told you, don't shed blood amongst each other. You telling me, look at the Middle East, look at the, look at the Muslim Ummah. We're fighting each other. And Allah said, well, this, you know, when Rasulullah said, you will, you will follow exactly the same thing. Then the next thing, like you read Surah Baqarah, it's all in order. The next thing that happens is, when the, after your, your ego gets big and you want to do whatever you want, every time you hear a revelation that is against your ego, you want to question the revelation. You say, Imam, how come this is haram? It starts with all this. So the first one is this. Imam, it's not in the Quran, is it? If it's not in the Quran, no problem. I don't need to do it. Because the Quran doesn't say so. I'm not going to do it. Right? That's how it starts. Next thing is Quran. Imam, the Quran says this, but I heard this opinion says this. Okay? So you don't want to accept it. And you find arguments not to accept it. So that's one thing. And then you go against the religious people who are telling you what the Quran says. And you carry on. What's the next thing? Allah says the next thing is you question ghaib. You question the unseen. You question revelation. You question the fact that Allah would have sent revelation to this man, Muhammad just like the Banu Israel questioned revelation of Musa So you get to the basis of aqid and faith and you reject faith. Are you telling me the people in the world are not doing this? La ilaha illallah. It's going exactly how the Quran has said. Right? And if you want to understand what's happening in the real world right now, subhanAllah, what did Rasulullah say? Look, I'll give you one. Uh, not just this masjid. Right? It, would you call this a chandelier? Guys, come on. I, look, there's no cost to your masjid, okay? I'm not, I'm not having a go at your masjid, okay? Every masjid has a chandelier, so don't look sad. Smile, brother. Please smile. Okay? Do you call this a chandelier? Come on, guys. Come on. I'm not. Yes or no? Good. Is it beautiful or not? Don't be shy. Is it beautiful or not? Is this masjid beautiful or not? Has this masjid been decorated nicely? Yes or no? Yes, say alhamdulillah. Now say astaghfirullah. Okay, no, no, no offense to committee members. Don't throw me out right now. No offense to the imam. This is every masjid across the world. Across, the, especially the western world. Rasulullah sallallahu said near the end of time, the masjids will be decorated. Masjids will, uh, uh, they, they will be well, well established, fortified. Wal Quran He said the Quran 
will be beautified. You know, you look at the Quran, wow, you know, nice cover, shiny cover, subhanAllah, fancy writing. You've got design there all around. But he said, وَقُلُوبُهُمْ He said, the hearts of people in the masjid are corrupted. I'm not saying everyone's corrupted, but guys, don't, 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 after my talk, don't go and say to your enemy, yo, bro, did you hear that your heart is corrupted, right? Take it easy, all right? I'm saying generally, this is across the world, how we've made the religion an outside thing, but inside, we're something different. And that, these are the things that are needed for Dajjal to have his power. Because when Dajjal comes out, do you know that there's going to be thousands of ulama of this ummah that will actually follow him? Two categories are mentioned. Ulama, scholars of this religion, of this religion Islam, are going to follow him. And women of this religion, in Sahih Ahadith, women in their numbers will follow him. And there will be a large section of the, of the followers of Musa alayhi salam, they will follow him. And when Dajjal comes, it's, look, there's two things about Dajjal. There's a Dajjalic system, and then there's the actual Dajjal. So if anyone tells you the whole thing is just a system, it's not. It's a system, yes, but it's also the actual Dajjal. The question is, has Dajjal already come out? Because you get two different narrations, you get two different types of narrations. And the way the, the way the scholars have combined them is that Dajjal is alive and is already trapped or Dajjal will be born after 30 years to parents who will not have children, but he's going to be a very strange looking human being. You will never have seen a greater in size human being than Dajjal on this earth. Rasulullah said in Sahih Hadith, from the beginning of time till the last man of the, of the, of the Qiyamah, there's never going to be a'zamu khalqan, someone who's going to be greater in size as a human being than Dajjal. He's going to be phenomenally large. Okay, really big. And what happens is, before Dajjal comes, there's an entire system that, that supports the, 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 whatever Dajjal's going to have. Now, I don't know, look, I don't know whether the technological things that we've got, advancements we've got, whether that's going to be at the hands of Dajjal or whether Dajjal will have other type of powers. But it looks like the technological world we're going through, that all those devices are going to be Dajjal's. There's going to be some serious advancement in science. Dajjal needs, you know, Dajjal will claim to be God. But the people who will claim, who, who will say that he's God, most likely are those people who believe in the advancement of the development they've made as a human race on this earth. Now there's two categories of ulama here who've said, look, listen, listen carefully, okay? Some have said we're going to go back to the days of horses and carts. Because every description Rasulullah gives is actually either of you know, a, a horse or a donkey or he talks of a sword and so on. So some, some say that we're going to go back to that. Others say no. Others say that the whole, like for example when Rasulullah said that Dajjal is going to ride a donkey and the donkey's ears are going to be you know, uh, really, really large and long. And between one end of the ear to another end of one ear is going to be 40 cubits. And, that see, and he's going to fly on this. And that seems more like a jet. So they've said these are metaphors. And Rasulullah never actually meant the donkey. Because when he's talking to his people, how is he supposed to say a plane? How is he supposed to say a jet? How is he supposed to say that? And that's why he gave these metaphors, or he, he spoke about it, but it's for us to understand that that's what he meant. Now, again, I can't decide on this, but I am inclining more towards the fact that the technologies we've got today are all going to be in favor of the things that Dajjal uses. So what is he going to do when he comes down? Before he comes out, there is an Imam Mahdi that comes before him. Now, again, there are many ahadith about, the, about Imam Mahdi. And... The problem with all the ahadith about Imam Mahdi is either the hadith is sahih, as in it's authentic, 
but the description within the hadith about the individual Mahdi is not clear. It's obscure. Or the, the hadith is very clear describing Imam Mahdi, but the narration is weak. It's not authentic. And that's the problem we have with all the ahadith with Imam Mahdi. Right? But what will happen is that there's going to be these minor signs around us are going to get worse, worse, worse with these little minor signs. And Imam Mahdi is the bridge between all the minor signs and the major signs. So let me, let me go over it again. Remember I told you there's three types of signs. What's number one? Come on, let me see if you're awake. Signs that have appeared one off and they're not going to appear. What's number two? Signs that appear and they grow, they grow, okay, in their size and quantity and so on, but, but, they're, but the same sign, but they grow. And the third one is the ten major signs. So out of the ten major signs, the Jal is the first. And between the second set of signs of the minor signs and the, and the major signs, Imam Mahdi is the bridge. So when he appears, he's going to be the beginning of all the, you know, all the ten signs that are about to come. And Dajjal is going to be the worst of all the ten signs that, that Allah Azza wa Jal would have brought on this earth. Now what happens is there's going to be a lot of things, subhanAllah al-Azim, a lot of things that are not going to appear the same. So for example, the Prophet has said to us, يُكَذَّبُ الصَّادِقُ وَيُصَدَّقُ الْكَاذِبُ SubhanAllah, he said, near the end of time, the one who's speaking the truth will be rejected as a liar. And the one who's saying the lie is going to be accepted as the truthful. Hello, fake book, fake news. You know what I'm trying to say? You guys don't read the papers, do you? You guys read the papers? You don't read the papers? Either, either you don't understand what I'm trying to say or you're like... <gasps> Hey, bro, I'm going gotta, gotta to delete my fake book. Can you see how what Rasulullah said? These are the times that we're living in. Prophet things that you were accustomed to for all the millennia of, of human history are about to take a turn. The Prophet talked about children that are going to be filled with rage. He said, Al-Mataru qayza wal-waladu ghayza. The rain is going to be acidic. And the children will be filled with rage. Now why are our children so mad? Shall I tell you one reason our children are going crazy, man? Shall I tell you? You guys want to know? Is that the other day when a set of parents, they, they, they said, you know, they, they stopped me and they said to me, you know, in New York, they said, you know, Sheikh, what do we do? Our children, this, our children. And one question I just asked straight up. I only had 15 minutes with them. One question straight up. I said, do you give your children a lot of candy, a lot of sweets, you know, snacking on candy and sugar and sweets? They said, yes. Oh, oh yeah, that's it. That's it. I said, oh, stop. <laughs> I said, that's it. <laughs> that's number one. Have you, got, you, guys, you guys, I think in America, uh, you're, I mean, you're definitely on top of the world. You're definitely on top of the world. And once you're on top of the world, you don't, need to, you don't need to bother about the people beneath you. Did you understand? What I mean by that is, a lot of, a lot of people I've come across is, you guys, I'm, I'm not, I'm, look, I'm not having a general go at you guys. What I'm trying to say is that the reading, the reading level here in, in America of actually reading research of what is happening is a lot lower than what is in the UK. Okay, that, that's my observation. You guys don't read as much as you should be reading. So if you look in these sweets and candy, there are certain colors that will make the child hyperactive. Certain colors, E-numbers, if they have it, they're going to get hyperactive straight away. Okay, that's one. Second is these children, the amount of computer games and the console games you give them, do you know what it's doing to their brain? Their brain is releasing the same chemicals as a person gets when they're taking drugs. This is from real research, recent research in the field of psychology. The, the serotonins, the, I don't know, whatever tonins in the head that get released with, with drugs, you know, I'm not talking about a huge amount of it, but, but small amounts of it are the same, same chemicals that, that get released when they're playing these games. And if you're telling me your kids are those that are not, you know, they, you know they, they're kind of 
You know, when, they, when they're playing the game, they're completely fine. When the kids are playing the game, it's like, whoa, they're silent, they're happy, they're talking to their friends through the earphones or the headset, yes or no? Online games, they're having all these games, whatever it is, and they're connect, connected with one another, and they're loving it, right? The moment you switch it off, they, they feel of, they're full of rage. You know why? Because they, they, they are getting used to an unreal world. That's one of the problems. We've got to keep our children in the real world. If there's any way you want to save yourself from the jail, right? Stay in the real world, my friend. Okay? I'm not, saying, I'm not saying get rid of your PS4s and your Xbox Ones. All I'm trying to say is control the amount of time you allow your children to play. Don't give them too much time because they will have that. Another one reason is these children are getting, you know, the children are getting a lot. They're receiving a lot from parents. They're not becoming independent at early life. And they're not learning sabr. They're not learning patience. And we're not even teaching them sabr. And they suffer. They will suffer for the rest of their lives. And let me give you a quick thing on, on, in psychology. Recent research that's come out in the last about three, four years. Okay? If you say to your children, eight out of ten times when they want something from the extra things they can demand in life, not their basic necessities, not their food, not their stay, not their living, no, no. Extra things that a, that a, that a child says, oh, I want those sneakers, I want, I want those, you know, I want the candy bar, I want this, I want that. Eight out of ten times, if you say yes to them, and two out of ten times you say no to them, then your children are going to grow up unthankful and ungrateful for who you are and what you've done to them. Because they've got life too easy. They got everything. Most things they wanted, they got it. So when they grow up, they, they, really, they really have a problem because, you know, when they get older, they, they, don't, they don't get what they want. You can't always get what you want. You know, as adults, you can't always get what you want. Even as teenagers, you can't get always what you want. If you spoil your children with that, you, you've, you've messed them up. And they say if, if two out of ten times you say no to them, so, sorry, two, two out of ten times you say yes to them, and eight out of ten times you say no to them for the things that they want, extra things that they want, they will grow up thankful, grateful, and patient. Now you take that recipe away, you, you put it in your life, because before the jal comes, the, the kids are going to be raised. In fact, the jal is going to be a youngster. The hadith is shab. It says a young man. Now what's shab? Shab is, in Arabic, is someone between the age of 12 and 25. Most likely, Dajjal is going to be someone that is going to be less than the age, just under the age of 25 or something. He's going to be a young man. And he's going to have a great influence. This description is clear in the ahadith. Where his, where his right eye is blind, but it's, it's swollen like, like, a, like a grape that has gone off. His left eye is defected, but he sees through that. Okay? He's, on his forehead is kaf, fa, ra, but only the believers see it. Only the believers will see it. We don't, we don't know how, but only the believers see it. His neck is going to be thick, larger than you know, the proportion of his head and his body. His body is going to be very wide, very wide, and his legs are going to be quite wide apart. Okay? And, and the Jal has got this, this way of, of making people be struck with awe as soon as he looks at you. You don't want to come in front of the Jal. And the Jal, what, what are his powers? What will he do? Well, when he comes out, he's going to reign the earth for 40 days. This is in Sahih Muslim, 40 days. The first day of his 40 days is one whole year. The one day, one 24 hours is going to be 365 days. And the Sahaba were struck, they were amazed. Messenger of Allah, one day is going to be one year. And the Prophet then explained, yes, one, one, he said one day is going to be like one year, the next day is going to be one month, the next day one week, then, and then he said after that the rest of his days are going to be like normal days. If you make your calculation of that, he will be on the earth for one year and two and a half months approximately. But that one day, the first day, my God, what is he going to do? Well, he's going to fly across the whole of the world. And he'll, you know, Rasulullah says that he will have this donkey that he will fly with. And, he, and subhanallah, the Prophet says, Ma'ahu kullu lisan. He has every language with him. 
every language with him. I just heard, you know, last year or something, uh, the, the Japanese have got this device that you put on your shoulder and you walk around with it in your business, you know, daily activities. And what you do is you speak, and as soon as you speak, this device will translate to whatever language you want. And then they speak, and then their one translates to whatever language they want. So, Allahu Alam, I don't know if it, if it means that he has some kind of other way of, of talking to people, he has that, but it looks like he might have that device. The next thing that Jal does, he comes to a people and says, I am your Lord. They say, how do you prove that you're, you're our Lord? He says, okay. He says, the rain, I'm going to make it stop. If he wants to make the sun come out because the clouds are, are, are gone, or if he wants to make the sun never shine over it because the clouds are going to be there, okay, he can do that. Now, if you look at modern, modern technology, there, there's cloud seeding that some countries use. You send a jet with certain chemicals into the air, and they send these chemicals out, and you can create clouds. That is already out. The Jal will, will then tell those people that I'm your Lord, believe me. And people, people, you know what? People will be so dumbed down that they're going to believe in him as an actual God. They'll take him as a God. The Jal then, one of his powers is that he's able to cut a man in half and the two pieces fall down to two sides. Because he will say to the man, he, say, he, say, he will say that, uh, do you believe me, I'm, I'm your Lord? And he says that, um, believe in Lord? He says, what's, what's the proof? He says, well, how about if I was to cut you in half and then join you back again? And he'll have a whole crowd of people. So he says, go ahead then. So he points at him and he cuts him in half. Two halves fall aside. And the Jal then walks between the two halves, comes back again, then points back at it, and the two halves join again, and the man starts laughing. Wow. Do you know that they've got right now technology with a laser that can actually cut a limb without having any blood pouring out? Do you know that this is going 20 years back, they've already made a laser that can cut off sound in a room? This is already available. So if you're in a nightclub, with a lot of sound, high sound, and you want to have a table here that you and your friends speak in silence, you know, with, with just you two there, you can have that laser that, that beams around you, and what it does, it cuts off all the sound. The nightclub sound of, you know, the, you're talking about the music that is at high decibel, it cuts it all out, and you can have a nice conversation sitting. Now, I don't know again, if, this, if he's going to have all that at his, at, his, at his hands, but you can see where this is going. He comes to a, to a Bedouin, and he says, you're going to believe me, I'm your Lord. And he says, why should I believe you? I, I, you know, you're my Lord. Tell me, how, why? He says, how about, he says this in front of a crowd, he says, how about if I was to bring your parents back alive? He says, really, seriously? He says, okay. He says, bring them alive. You know, who would not want their parents to be alive? So he goes to their grave. The Jal goes to his grave. And then, seemingly, he brings his parents back up from their grave. And they say to their child, O child, believe him, he is God. Now, Rasulullah explained this. He said, he said There will be two devils that will take the appearance of his parents. So his real parents are dead. But two, two, two devils have taken the appearance of two humans exactly like his parents and the devils speak out and the person believes it's his parents and therefore he believes. There's going to be a lot of trickery he will use. In fact, his name, Dajjal, means the one who is a master at lying and a master at trickery. He will fool people. He will walk. When he walks, he will have two rivers with him. Now, we, haven't, we have got nothing to, to understand this right now, but very soon, I'm sure in a few decades' time, whenever the time is going to come, we're going to see, ah, we can understand how this is going to happen. He's going to have with him fire, and he's going to have with him water. But Rasulullah said, his fire is water, and his water is fire. So he will tell people, look, jump into the water. Don't jump into the fire. And our Prophet tells us, if you ever see Dajjal with his fire and water, he said, go and jump into the fire. Because his fire is going to be cool water. 
Bro, you ready to jump in fire? Put your hands up if you're ready to jump in fire. Come on, put your hands up. Yo, am I the only one? You're like, eh, 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 eh. you serious? Fire? Sheikh, uh, uh, wallahi, uh, you saying the truth? Yes. And how many of us, now this is a serious question, am I going to be ready to jump into real fire that's blazing, that's hot? Am I seriously going to jump in there with Iman and say, my Prophet told me that this is going to be water? Am I going to be doing that? This is a serious question. Because people are not prepared for Dajjal, unless you have Iman. Unless you have Iman. And Dajjal will mesmerize people. So he comes, his first day, which is one year, he goes around pretty much the whole of the world. He can't enter Makkah, Medina. Some riwayats say there's a Masjid Al-Tur, and there's also Masjid Al-Aqsa, some include that. But, but many ahadith include Makkah and Medina, because there are angels there guarding the, the, you know, those, those um, cities, and he can't enter that. But he will come to the outskirts of Medina. Rasulullah even pointed out that in the outskirts of Medina, there's going to be a white, white palace or a he said a white building. He said a white building. Okay. Do you know right now? Do you know right now that the current Saudi government is building a palace on the exact spot that the Jal was is, is going to come to, and he's going to stand there and he's going to look at Medina and say, you know. The white city. If you look from that spot towards Medina Munawwara, okay, with all the lights at night time, it actually looks like a white city. So he comes, they stop, say he's not able to enter. He's not able to enter Makkah Medina. But he's going to go pretty much around the world. And what he does is, he says, you believe me as a god. If you don't believe in him, fine. He's going to cut off your supplies of food, grain, whatever it is. He's going to completely destroy all your crops that you basically can't grow anything. He's going to have that technology. Do you know right now that there's a movement to try and only give you, you know, only give you a seed to grow one, things once, all right? And, and if that is fully-fledged system, and if that comes in his hands, then he's got the way to say that you can't have food for the rest of the year. Now, you've got a whole year to live. And Sahaba was struck, and they said, Messenger of Allah, how do we survive without food? For a year. Ah, this is a serious question. Will you seriously say no food for one year? One year. And if you look at the hadith, I said to you, it's one year, two and a half months, the jal will be around. So are you ready to survive without any food for one year, two and a half months? And the Sahaba said, how do, how do we survive? And the Prophet said a beautiful thing, which we need to do a lot right now, guys. This is the only way you're going to survive through the times that we're living in. He said, your food that day will be a tasbih wa tahleel. He said, your food that day is going to be subhanallah and la ilaha illallah. Your food that day is going to be remembering Allah. And if you don't believe in him, he's going to punish you. And the punishment, like I said, fasharruga ibn yuntadar, the one of the worst of the most evil, you know, awaited things that he, when he comes around. And Dajjal will have a large following. Large following. And he will mesmerize the world with his power. And what are we supposed to do if Dajjal comes? The Prophet ﷺ gave us, you know, our protection. And no man can kill Dajjal except for Isa والسلام, And he's going to come back. So guess what? Right now, everyone's waiting for the Messiah. The Christians are waiting for the Messiah, Jesus. The Jews are waiting for the Messiah. But their Messiah is not, in their belief, not Jesus. Their Messiah is some other figure, which may be this Dajjal, Allahu Alam. And the Muslims are waiting for the Messiah which is Isa ibn Maryam. We believe Isa salam, is going to come back. So we believe that. And Isa alayhi salatu salam, when he comes back, he's the only one that can take Dajjal on. Nobody else is able to take Dajjal on. So forget about all your theories of how you're going to meet Dajjal. In fact, only one man, uh, there's a man that actually survives Dajjal's 
Dajjal's influence. So what happens is, Dajjal says, you know, you know, the man says, look, I know you are Dajjal, because my prophet said, you will have kaf farah on your forehead, and I see it right now. Dajjal will say, how about if I slice you in half, and join you back together again? So Dajjal does his thing, he slices him in half, and then joins him back together. And the believer says, now I'm even more convinced that you are the Dajjal, because my prophet said, that's what you're going to do. Then the Jal will go mad. He will want to, you know, go, go for this person. But Allah Azza wa Jal will put a masjid nearby where the man runs into the masjid and that particular masjid, the Jal is not able to enter. So he's the only, one of the only ones that, um, and, and after this, he's not able to perform his trick of, of slicing someone in half and joining back, them back together again. He's not able to do that. But imagine that he has that influence and that power. What are we supposed to do? Well, what we're supposed to, Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa has told us, Surah Kahf. In one narration it says, whoever recites Surah Kahf on Friday, he will have, you know, from one Friday to another Friday, you're going to get a lot of light. And many ahadiths say that it's the first 10 ayats of Surah Kahf or the last 10 ayats of Surah Kahf. And some have said first 10 and last 10, whichever, it doesn't matter, or maybe both. And one narration says if you memorize the last 10 ayats of Surah Kahf, you're safe from Dajjal. In one narration it says if you see Dajjal, then straight away read the first 10 ayats of Surah Kahf and you'll be protected. Okay, now the question is why Surah Kahf? Okay, why Surah Kahf? If you look at the first 10 ayats of Surah Kahf, what they're telling us is that in the time, this is a time after Isa ibn Maryam, alayhi salatu wasalam. What happened is the Qiyanus, okay, he became a king somewhere in the Mediterranean parts of the world. And he was a king in his kingdom, a large kingdom. No one was able to make any move except the news came back to the king. He had soldiers on every corner, every street, every other street or every marketplace or anywhere people gathered, he had his influence. And people were very scared to speak the truth. And the Qiyanus claimed to be God. The Qiyanus claimed to be God. It's very, very ajib how, subhanAllah, our Prophet tells us to read the first ten ayats of Surah Kahf. And first ten ayats of Surah Kahf are talking about that time. So what happens is, and no one is speaking the truth. They know the truth in the heart, but they're not able to speak the truth. Guys, if you're awake right now, you're going to kind of feel, subhanAllah, you know what, we're probably living those times right now. Right? You want to say the truth, you can't say the truth. Otherwise, you're going to get slapped by your home minister. You know what I'm trying to say? Like, You didn't get that. No problem. I'll save it till later. You could get slapped by anybody for saying the truth. But people will be afraid to say the truth at that time. And what happens is seven young boys, they decide to go in front of the king. Well, sorry, first, they first they decide to get up in the marketplace and they declare their faith that Allah is the God and that the king is not God. They declare this in a marketplace. Seven young boys, you know, I say seven, some have said nine, some have said five, but the you know, majority, the, 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 the greater opinion is, is perhaps is seven. So they get up in the marketplace and they preach the truth. And when they do it, people are looking at them thinking, what are you doing? You're going to die for preaching the truth. You'll be dead. And people ignore them. Soldiers come straight away, grab the boys. They take them straight away to Daqyanus. And Daqyanus then looks at them and says, what do you believe in? They say, Allahu Rabbuna. They'll say, Allah is our Lord. The king says, look, I'm going to give you a little bit of time here to take back the, the thing you said. Otherwise, you will find out what happens to you. The boys just about get out of the palace. They're being watched. Somehow they secretly escape and they get into a cave. And when they get into the cave, next minute we know the story, they sleep there for 300 odd years, and after that they come out, and the king's dead, they have coins from the king's time, and, and everyone there is 300 years later. It's a, it's a miracle, one of the karamat of the awliya in the Quran, one of the many miracles we believe in, and that tells us the powerful story of how no man can be God. Our Prophet ﷺ told us again and again, when you see Dajjal, if one of you sees Dajjal, you should know he can never be your Lord because he is blind from one eye and your Lord doesn't have that kind of defect. 
Your Lord, Allah doesn't have that kind of defect. Right? Now, what will happen is, when time of Dajjal, you, you're going to be very scared to speak the truth, and if you speak the truth, you're going to be annihilated, or you're going to be in serious trouble. The only thing you can do in Dajjal's time is hide. That's exactly what Surah Kahf is telling us. The only thing you can do in Dajjal's time is to get somewhere and just hide. You can't confront Dajjal. You can't confront his army. His army is too big, they're too powerful. And you have to just do the tasbih and tahleel and hide and just ask Allah Azza wa Jal to protect you. Because that's another thing that Rasulullah Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam told us to do. Allahumma inni a'udhu bika min fitnatin nar. Oh Allah, you know, he taught us to say this. Say, to say that, oh Allah, I am asking you to save me from the torment of the fire. From the trial of the fire. وَأَعُوذُ بِكَ مِنْ فِتْنَةِ الْقَبْرِ I'm asking you to save me from the trial of the grave. وَأَعُوذُ بِكَ مِنْ فِتْنَةِ الْمَحْيَا وَالْمَمَاتِ I'm asking you to save me from the trials of life and death. وَأَعُوذُ بِكَ مِنْ فِتْنَةِ الْمَسِيحِ الدَّجَّالِ And I'm asking you to protect me from the Messiah Dajjal. Now why is he called a Messiah? Because he's been anointed or he's been touched with evil, just as Isa salam, has been touched with goodness. So Isa salam, is the opposite of what Dajjal is. These two are the total opposites of one another. Now the evil that Dajjal has, he will be able to spread it across his 40 days. He will be around for 40 days. And he'll be able to have his reign on the earth. And, and Rasulullah talks about the Middle East and Sham. Now, Sham is not your Syria. Sham is a lot larger than what current Syria is. If you want to understand what Sham is, you have to go and look at a map of the world pre-colonization of the, of, or pre-splitting of the Middle Eastern regions. So you have to look at a map of maybe 1900 or beyond that, before that, to understand what Asham is, because it includes Palestine. It includes, um, uh, you know, parts of Iraq. It includes Jordan inside there. It includes the whole of Syria inside there. So it's a large part. And the Prophet ﷺ talks about Asham, that a lot of activities are going to happen there. And in the end, what happens is, Dajjal has his influence, and he, he has his base in that area. And Imam Mahdi that was out, he's trying to control the situation. He's got the Muslims with him, but he knows even he can't take on the job. So what he does is he then gathers with the Muslims and he's just praying with them. And one particular fajr, what happens is Isa ibn Maryam, wasalam, he comes from the sky, from the heavens. He will come down in, on a ladder holding you know, two angels' shoulders or basically being, be, being uh, um, escorted all the way from the heavens, all the way down to the masjid of Damascus. And Prophet has even talked about the minaret, from the side of the minaret that is going to come down. And then he comes into that masjid to join the Muslims in prayer. And then, the, the, then uh, Imam Mahdi tries to move back, but then he finishes the prayer. And after that, Imam Mahdi then hands over the reign he has to, to Isa ibn Maryam, alayhima salatu wasalam. And Isa alayhi salam then gathers the Muslims together. And what he does is Isa, Isa alayhi salam goes around first and he then visits the Christian world. According to our belief, the Christians have a different belief. The Christians believe that when, when Jesus will come, then it's going to all turn, the whole world's going to turn Christian. The Jews believe that when this Messiah comes, the Jewish people will have their greatest reign on the earth. And the Muslims believe that when Isa salam comes, he's going to convert all the Christians to Muslims. So you've got three different fields, three different religions, all claiming three different things. Okay? And what our belief is, is that when Isa salam converts all those Christians, you can imagine now the majority of the world is going to become Muslim. And what he does is he takes on the challenge of going for the job. As soon as he sees Dajjal by Babul Lud, which is a place within Palestine, Dajjal sees Isa and he starts to melt. 
the way salt melts in water, the jar feels that his powers are going, or his, whatever it means by melting. I don't know whether it's a physical melting, or whether it's a metaphorical one, means that he's feeling that, you know, his powers are about to finish. And he tries to escape Isa alayhi salam. Isa alayhi salam and the jal then come to a clash. And what's mentioned in the hadith is that Isa alayhi salam is on a horse and the jal is on another horse. And both of them lift up in the air and try to kill each other. And Isa alayhi salam killed the jal before the jal is able to kill Isa alayhi salam. Now again, as I said to you earlier, these could be planes. These could be planes. Allahu alam, we don't know. Or it could be the horse and cart edge. We don't know for sure. But as I said to you, I incline towards the, the technology we've got in the world today. Uh, some part of that seems to be a, an aid and a tool for what the Jal may use. Okay, and you know that thing that I said to you, Subhan, I, I, I missed out uh, on one thing, uh, which is, you know, when he brings when he brings the, the two people from the grave, right, the hadith says about two shaitans you know, acting as, as his parents, and there could be a possibility that the way he clones, or the way cloning sort of takes place, it could be a possibility that he has a form and a way of actually bringing people, people into life or something through that, Allahu alam. But anyway, when Isa والسلام, kills the Dajjal, then you find that the Muslims have another problem, which is also mentioned in Surah Kahf, which is the Ya'juj and Ma'juj, and the trouble that they will bring to the earth. My brothers, I'm going to end it in a few more minutes. What I want to say to you and my sisters, what I want to say to you first is, we are not waiting and expecting the Jal to come in our lives, but he could come any moment, Allahu Alam. We don't know. Uh, one of the things about Imam Mahdi is, that he will actually appear when there's two lunar eclipses in one Ramadan. Now whether that appearing is him appearing as the Imam Mahdi and claiming his Imam Mahdi, or whether he's born, we don't know. The last two lunar eclipses in one Ramadan was 2004. The next one is 2083. Now either it means, it could mean, we don't know, it could mean that Imam Mahdi is already born, or it could mean that he's not born, but he's going he's gonna to appear in 2083. And I'm not saying he's 2083, it could be he comes in 21 something. Now don't you guys go out, oh, the Sheikh said Imam Mahdi is born. Yo, yo, let's go and look for him. Where's his address? <laughs> I'm not saying he's born, I'm not giving you any predictions. All I'm saying is, the Prophet Sallallahu said there's two lunar eclipses in one Ramadan. And we've had one in 2004, we're going to get next one in 2083, and there's going to be next one in 21 something, I'm sure, alright? But it could be the case that one of these, Imam Mahdi's appearance starts to come out. When he comes out, after a few years after that, Dajjal is, is about to appear. And when Dajjal appears, then it's Isa alayhi salatu salam. What should we do? We should revert to what I said in that hadith. Badiru bil a'mal. In all these different ahadith, the Prophet ﷺ is warning us of the Dajjal and telling us, get on with your good actions. What are you waiting for? Get on. Do your good actions before things get too bad and you're not able to do them. And that's the whole point of the signs of the last hour. Things are going to get worse and they're going to get worse again. And my brothers, my sisters, I have to say today, la ilaha illallah, people are living lives where they are, they are you know, they're almost like ghosts. I don't know what's going to come next. I don't know if you've heard about the Google glasses, right? That you wear and you've got a kind of a screen that you look at while you're even just walking. There's all this um, technology coming out where, you know, the children that have their console games, there's going to be people, there's already, it's already out, right? The virtual reality where you put some goggles on and you're in another world. There's one that I, that I visited. Have you guys seen this? Where, you know, I, I know the one that you put on your, on your, on your um, eyes and, and you're actually almost like walking through, you know, you, you're standing where you are, but you're kind of, you know, playing a game from where you're standing. But they've got another one out, which is you put the goggles on and you actually move through your house. And the creatures appear in your house. And you're supposed to shoot them while, you know, you're walking your house. Have you come across that one or not? Guys, you come across that one? 
And you walk around, the, like you put those goggles on, you walk around and you see things. So you're, you've got two worlds, the real world and this other world. Right? And I actually put those goggles on in a display show somewhere. I thought, wow, where is it going to go to? Where is this all ending up? Anyway, our, our thing is that we need to um, increase our amal, we increase our actions, you know, uh, read Surah Kahf, uh, ask Allah to protect us from the fitna of Dajjal, and all, the, all these signs that are appearing and have appeared. May Allah Azza wa Jal you know, protect, protect us through these signs. May Allah protect us as an ummah. May Allah Azzawajal make us an ummah that actually stays with the believers. May Allah Azzawajal make us an ummah that actually sees the signs of the Jal and stays away from them. May Allah Azzawajal make us people who are true believers that will be able to, you know, withstand whatever fitting is coming ahead of us. Jazakumullah khair. Wassalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. You can give the adhan, then we can have the salah at 9 o'clock.